everyone. It's Gracie with the Educator Wellness Revolution podcast. I'm really excited to share our seventh episode on the role of the wellness coordinator in schools. We know there's both an abundance of wellness challenges and a lack of qualified clinicians in many schools these days. So what are schools supposed to do? In our work, we've been so impressed by the emerging role of the wellness coordinator and how they seem to fill the niche that many schools are searching for right now. Wellness coordinators tend to both student and staff wellness needs, ensure there is a positive school culture, and can serve as an important liaison between staff members and leadership in creating better systems that reduce stress. Further, they provide project management to ensure that wellness initiatives don't keep falling through the cracks during the day-to-day activity of running a school. To learn more, we spoke with the wellness coordinators Johanna Olseth of Bria Public Charter School and Jacqueline Barron of Digital Pioneers Academy Public Charter School, both in Washington, D.C., on the role of a school wellness coordinator and why they are becoming more popular these days. Both Johanna and Jacqueline have enacted some great programs in their school communities and have a lot of learning to share with us. In our conversation, we discuss the difference between a clinician and a wellness coordinator, how student and staff wellness initiatives can work together rather than one taking from the other, how to care for a school staff when there are varying ideas of wellness in the building, and much more. We hope you enjoyed the episode and that our conversation expands your view of what a wellness coordinator can do for whole school wellness. Hi, everyone. We're here today with Jacqueline Barron and Johanna Alseth, who both of whom are wellness coordinators, and I'll allow you all to introduce yourselves, but I would love to just hear from you of what is the role of the school wellness coordinator. And in particular, I think a lot of people kind of confuse this probably with like a, a school clinician. And like, how do you see yourself as being different than that? And what does this role really do? So can we start with you, Jacqueline? Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Jacqueline Barron. I am the school social worker and the wellness coordinator. So interesting you asked that question because kind of get to do both as a school clinician as well as the wellness coordinator. So what it means to me is one, honestly, really being able to talk with my colleagues and teammates about what wellness means to them. I don't ever just want to go in and be like, this is exactly what we're doing. I do want to make sure that I'm able to talk with my team to hear what it is that they feel like they need in order to support them with that. And so obviously, it's not just like a one size fits all kind of you know way to go about it. Once surveying my team members, we've been able to figure out you know the different parts of wellness. So I know there are typically like eight areas of wellness and then being able to provide resources in each of those eight arenas to help my teammates feel supported. That's the blanket answer. That's a good answer. Thank you so much. And Johanna, what about you? Great. Well, yeah, so I'm the family engagement and wellness manager at Bria Public Charter School. And I've been in this role for about a year and a half. And it really stemmed from the pandemic and realizing that we needed to really prioritize and place more importance and focus on educator wellness. So similar to what Jacqueline said, it's really has really been about having more conversations about wellness and creating a culture of wellness for our staff in order to also best serve our students. So looking at wellness from not only that individual level, but also building relationships and community and then looking at what we can do as a school, as an organization to support that, that staff wellness. And so my role has been, I guess, kind of bridging that gap between our educators and also, you know, connecting with leadership and just really helping people come together to talk about and practice wellness. 
Joanna, I love that you mentioned the three levels there, because that's something we work on a lot, which is the individual, that kind of relational level and the organizational level. Another thing we care a lot about is this kind of the philosophy that educator wellness and student wellness feed into each other and support each other, because there are times in education and the conversations about education where they get pitted against each other. But we know, I think from our work, that educator wellness supports student wellness and student wellness supports educator wellness. Your jobs are kind of at an intersection of those two. How do you see the connection? between those two things, the synergy between those two for either of you? Well, I know, again, kind of bringing it back to the pandemic, which is really where this kind of all started. We started doing these Wellness Wednesday activities for our students. So at Bria, we we serve families. We work with adult students and their children. And so to help our adult students, our parents cope with stress, we started having these Wellness Wednesday sessions to really build community and bring people together to to just connect and practice wellness together and we really saw a positive impact it was having on our 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 students and also started seeing kind of that same stress that was you know happening i guess across the whole the whole world in our staff as well so we realized we can't only focus on student wellness we also have to focus on staff wellness and so We've been looking for different initiatives and different ways to offer those same opportunities for staff in order to kind of create that whole approach. Because if we want, like you said, Scott, students to to be well and and happy and and successful in school, teachers also have to receive that same kind of support. So, yeah. Yes, and I would completely agree. I like that you were talking about it being a culture of wellness, because again, it isn't just like a couple pop-in things here and there. It does have to be something that's internalized. And so with students, we have SEL Wednesdays. And so that's where we are teaching specific social emotional learning topics such as self-awareness, healthy communication, um, appropriate boundaries and things like that. And then so that's become started to become part of the culture because it's something that they look forward to every Wednesday. And then with staff, I'm sure most of us have heard the quote, you can't pour from an empty cup. And so really recognizing the importance of us taking care of ourselves. And as long as we're showing up for ourselves, then we are better able to show up to serve our scholars and our families. Awesome. Well, Joanna, you mentioned about this relationship with COVID and like that this being this new dawn of like understanding that people have needs and that adults in the building have needs and that if we don't meet those needs, like there people will not stay in the job. And I think that's this this place that we're really trying to to talk about in this podcast is like how do we meaningfully address these needs that are there? But I am I am curious about how do you see what happened during COVID is influencing this new of inf- uh, this new emphasis that we have on wellness, both for students and for staff? And like wh- how does the wellness coordinator role really play a part in that? I feel like, especially with experiencing, you know, this pandemic, it's almost like it reminded all of us of our humanity, right? It's not that we're just worker bots and you just show up to work and you're just that person there. Like, I think it really put into perspective what people are dealing with outside of work. And again, not just our scholars and families, but us that are working here on staff as well. And so I think having that at the forefront of mind, it almost like kind of forced us to check in with ourselves and make sure that we are well, because you were seeing how people were showing up to work a little bit differently. And it's like, oh, that's not necessarily like the kind of energy you were bringing before. And so it goes back to having those conversations and building those relationships so that you are able to know your teammates, know your scholars as people first. 
I think another thing I noticed too was, I guess maybe it was like during or a little bit before the pandemic, like when at least I started hearing about educated wellness, it was a lot more about like self-care and those more like individual practices. And I feel like it's really evolved in the past, like year and a half to those three tiers that we talked about. So those, the ports of relationships and, and, and conversations and connecting, but also I think, which is, it's kind of the most challenging level or tier is the organizational wellness. So really looking at what kind of systems are in place to to support wellness. But another thing I think we learned during the pandemic was just how, how wellness is, is holistic and it does really involve, like Jacqueline said, those eight dimensions. So it's not just about physical wellness or like, you know, mental or emotional wellness, but really it's about all these different areas and how we need to look at all of them in order to provide well-rounded support. As you both know, there is a huge shortage of social workers, school psychologists, and other clinicians for school-based behavioral health. And it's a huge pressing problem that policymakers are really interested in trying to figure out how to solve in the city. The city has allocated a lot of money for school-based mental health that's not even in action because we can't hire a lot of the clinicians at schools. There are schools who are budgeted for multiple social workers and have none currently on staff. So with that in mind, people are wondering what other positions, right? They could allocate for not having clinicians that that would make a difference for student wellness and and also, you know, potentially for adult wellness. Make it real for us. Take us through a day a little bit. What do you do? And I imagine there's a lot of things you do that are not in your job description because people are like, you're the wellness coordinator. Can you do this for us? So what do you do that's in your job description? What do you do? Because people come to you as the wellness coordinator. Yeah, I guess every day really is really is different. As I mentioned, a lot of my role is more student facing wellness. So offering different wellness programming, you know, not only exercise classes and fitness classes, but also like mindfulness support, mental health support groups, art classes. So really just offering opportunities for our adult students that they may normally not have access to in order to help feel their best. In terms of staff wellness, so Bria is one of the schools that received the Aussie Educator Wellness Grant, the test Technical Assistance Grant. And so we created a wellness plan in the beginning of the school year that focused on five different themes. So connection, mental health support, working conditions, feedback and coaching, and I'm blinking on, on the last one. But it's really been working with different people in the school to work towards these goals that we had through our wellness plan. And I think because of the pandemic, a lot of people felt disconnected. So a lot of it has been really bringing people back together and offering opportunities, providing opportunities for people to connect and build those relationships, but also look at the systems that are in place and get teachers' voices out there to share how they feel about their schedules. Um, pay, just lots of different things that have been kind of needing to be talked about for a while, but now we're just bringing them to the surface and allowing, allowing conversations to be had. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Jacqueline? Yes. So specifically as a wellness coordinator, what my day looks yes. like, because you know, I wear a couple different hats, <laughs> yes. specifically with being the wellness coordinator. One thing that I try to prioritize is we have a weekly wellness corner newsletter. So putting in different information there. So it typically includes a mindfulness practice, any announcements. So we do a couple of challenges amongst the staff. We've done a hydration challenge. So everybody was on a team. You had to record how much water you were drinking. We've done a closure ring challenge with Apple watches to get people up and moving around. 
down. So we'll have announcements there. We typically have an inspirational quote as well, and then just any resources that are being shared. So I use each week to try and compile different information so that it can go out on our wellness Wednesdays. Definitely very, very grateful that at my school, Digital Pioneers Academy, my principal was going into this year prioritizing wellness. So really making a point like every day during our staff meeting, we make sure we take a mindful minute. And I've noticed how that is carried over to other meetings that are had. So even when it's just specific committee meetings, I notice now that people are typically starting with a mindful minute as well as a mood meter and a chance to check in with how your teammates are feeling. So a lot of it is information sharing. A lot of it is, again, still talking to my teammates, figuring out exactly what it is that they're looking for. And a lot of it is developing partnerships. And so I think it's really important for people who are interested in being wellness coordinators at their school is you don't have to do everything by yourself. There are so many amazing resources out there. Um, I know we're partnered with Teaching Well, which is based out of California, as well as an organization called Spark. And so really being able to work with some of our partners to be able to provide, you know, in-person fitness classes or being able to set up challenges for us or being able to hold space to talk and do some mindful mentoring. So again, kind of triaging all of the information and just really working and feeling like I'm on a team. That's great. And I just want to mention real quickly, the partnerships that like these partnerships are so essential. You can't do everything yourself, but also if it's left to the principal, the principal has too much on their plate to set up these partnerships, to maintain the partnerships often. So having a wellness coordinator, even for the purpose of just maintaining partnerships that can be effective for the school is a big step for a lot of schools. I know in our work with schools, I like love working with the wellness coordinator. I'm like, oh, there's a wellness coordinator. Great. Like if they, we speak the same language, they know the importance of it. They have access to leadership. And usually when there is a wellness coordinator, that means there is leadership buy-in for wellness because they've been willing to invest in this. And it just, it makes the whole process so much easier. One thing that's been really helpful at Bria as well is this was also during the pandemic, we started a, we call it the BWG, the Bria Wellness Group. And it consists of about 12 to 14 members, depending on the day. We also meet once a month. It's been nice because even as the wellness coordinator, it is really great to have someone in the role, but it feels even better when you're a part of a team and people who are also really passionate and interested in creating that culture of wellness. So together we you know, think of ideas for, um, you know, wellness activities to kind of tap into how different departments are doing because Bria is different in the, in the sense that we have adult programming as well as children programming, admin and outreach. So people from each department can share, okay, this is what's going on with our team right now. This is how our team is doing. And so we get kind of a pulse check on the whole school and then together can brainstorm and collaborate to create different wellness opportunities. I think it's so important and it's something I'm very passionate about in this work is that we we absolutely need clinicians like we need people who are trained in like trauma responses and and how to do that like work that you have to go to school for years for. And I think with wellness that you, like I think wellness so much is just person to person sometimes. Like it's being a human being, it's being a good listener, it's being willing to ask questions or be curious, it's being willing to look holistically at big problems, it's being willing to like form partnerships, it's being willing to just follow up with somebody. And it's it's not something that is really rocket science, I don't think. Like I think it is about like just staying in touch with your own humanity. It's something we've talked about here and being willing to kind of, you know, risk 
bringing that into groups and like setting up some systems for that. Cause I, and I, I say that because I think we, we don't have enough clinicians and we don't have all the people with all the training, but we do have a lot of human beings who care. And the more that we can encourage that, I think we can harness a lot of power and, and just in our educator wellness teams and our partner schools, like they're just, you know, teachers or librarians, sometimes custodians, but they care. And when we come together in that group, we can actually make something happen, which I think is really powerful. So we've talked a lot about successes and I, I love celebrating those, but I also want to hear about your obstacles of what obstacles you encounter while doing your work and how have you learned how to make successes out of those obstacles or, or maybe don't. Yeah. So I think one thing that I have learned, and it's kind of like what I referred to when I first started talking is about it not being like this one size fits all kind of approach. And I think initially when I started in this role, that's kind of the approach that I took. And so that was an obstacle because some staff members weren't buying into this idea of wellness, right? Sometimes it seems a little like, oh, no, I don't, I don't need all that. I don't know what you're talking about, Miss Barron. So I think taking that and instead of being frustrated, like, no, you need it. Like take this wellness. I think instead figuring out a different approach and having to take a step back and be like, okay, well, what does wellness look like to you? And so now that I've heard from you, now we can move forward and I can make sure that you're getting that support that you actually need, because maybe we were just thinking about wellness differently. I would completely agree. Yeah. So this year we, we were trying to offer more kind of like self-care sessions and kind of mindfulness Zoom sessions, virtual sessions for people and noticed that just attendance was really, really low. Whereas during the pandemic, when people were really craving that connection and we didn't have other opportunities, we had, you know, I don't know, 30, 40, or, you know, the whole staff participating. And so I think a challenge has been having to pivot or or make more changes, but it's also been it's also been really um, rewarding to have more of those conversations about what people need now, because we know that wellness and and what people need looks different not only on a, you know a monthly basis, a, a yearly basis, but on a, on a daily basis. So I think just having to pivot and be flexible and, and and go with the flow to to find new new ways to provide wellness opportunities. Let's talk more about that kind of one size fits all versus what wellness means to you, because one of the challenges always is countering cynicism, right, from educators. And, you know, I think there there is the cynicism about like, are you just here to tell me to take care of myself? And why don't you just give me my time back and I'll take care of myself and I don't need the workshop, please. And, and then there's also cynicism about the systemic stuff, like these things can never change. I've I've seen people like you before coming along and telling me my job's going to get better and it doesn't happen, right? So like cynicism abound because education has lots of initiatives that don't follow through, right. Or come through, uh, for our, our educators, for our staff. How do you counter that kind of cynicism? I have, a, this is, this is a very challenging one for me. Yeah. It's, it's a hard question. <laughs> yes. I think I'm, I'm still thinking through my response as well, because you're absolutely correct. You have a small group of people that are already like, yep, I'm already with you. And then got some others, which like I said, just look at things differently. I mean, I'll have to be honest. I think this year, because my school in particular has suffered some recent traumatic events, I think the approach on wellness does look a little bit different, but I think 
The strength in that is that we already had some proactive systems in place. So it's not that we were having to scramble in to a whole lot of new things. We had to kind of lean into the systems that were already there. There are definitely still some people who, I mean, maybe from outside looking in, don't look like they're bought in. But once you're having those individual conversations, again, I think uplifting them and being like your idea of how you're taking care of yourself, right, is valid for you. And just reframing it as we just want to give you some more tools, some more resources so that you can pick and choose what works for you. I think another thing that's kind of helped us count myself counter that cynicism is focusing on like smaller moments of joy or just like kind of finding ways to like still bring levity and and like, I guess, fun and connection to staff, because there are some more systemic things that we want to, to change that is going to take time. Like we have to be real, like, you know, whether it be flexible scheduling or I don't know, higher salaries or, you know, more, more mental health support for educators, those kind of big changes will take some time. So focusing on what we can do right now, um, which, you know, just little things like we started doing this thing when we have all staff meetings, when we're all together about once a month, every two months called a Bria boutique. So people bring in different items and we have like a little, a little store. So I know that sounds corny, but like people brought in different jewelry. And so people were able to trade things that they, that that they liked. Another session was like books. And so it was just something fun that brought people together. So it's nothing like systemic, but it's these little things that people look forward to. So no, it doesn't really counter cynicism, but it just brings a little bit of positivity to people. Also and just building, principles and yeah. building community. Exactly. Building community is a really important part of the middle of that pyramid there, right? Building building trust and building stronger relationships. Johanna, it's really funny that you mentioned those three things when you talked about system, systemic level things that take some time to change. Empower Ed just did a citywide educator survey of 1,100 educators. And the top three things that people said would help better retain them were higher pay, more mental health days and mental health supports and flexible scheduling. So you hit the nail on the head with those mentioning of those three. And I want to ask one more question just about the, you know, kind of the role itself, because I think people really need to imagine what this might look like if they were to start having a mental, sorry, a wellness coordinator for their school. And and again, that differentiation between having clinicians in the school. So I want to ask about that relationship. So if you have clinicians in your schools, what is the relationship between a wellness coordinator and the clinicians? How do you interact with each other? How might you support each other? What more could be done with that relationship? We, so Bria has a school-based, school-based mental health therapist who has been great, even though she focuses mainly on our adult students and offering them one-on-one sessions. She does our PD sessions for staff as well. So we noticed a big need for more mental health support and learning about trauma-informed classrooms for our early childhood department. So she came in and was able to give that support for them. And then based on that session, they realized that they could benefit from a, a support group, a monthly support group. So she's been able to kind of step out of her role in, in supporting students and also support our educators. And she also gives us like mental health tips of the month that we include in our newsletter. And, you know, if I have questions about wellness, she's able to support me in, in that as well. And we're also, Bria is connected with Mary Center, which is a public yeah. health center. And so we get a lot of support from them. Like even when I look at their, just in their Instagram, I find lots of great ideas, but having those partnerships with their clinicians 
and counselors is, has been really helpful. So I don't feel that burden of having to know all the answers or be able to provide that support myself, but really being able to, to lean on each other. Just a plug before you go, Jacqueline, that you know you are connected to Mary Centers because you're part of Mary Center, but other schools can also have that connection. And we have community school models in DC where schools can actually bring in services like Mary Center to the school under a connected school or community school model, even if it's not naturally right part of their school structure. And that can be really helpful. Jacqueline, how about you? Yeah. So when thinking with working with some other school-based clinicians, um, I know we there's a mental health team meeting every week. And so that's where we can also talk about wellness and weaving it in for scholars as well as adults. And so some of the other clinicians have also provided, you know, some tips for wellness, tips for mental health. So I think it's honestly mostly just realizing we're all kind of under the same umbrella and being able to have thought partners to think through something. So even if it's like, okay, I have this idea, but not quite sure which way to move with it. Like we've had some amazing collaborative discussions where we've been able to come up with some great ideas because you have multiple people interested in the same kind of topic, but maybe just viewing it through different perspectives. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it, no matter who you are, a clinician or a wellness coordinator, like we all need support. And I, I'm working with some of our partner schools, right? I feel like the clinicians are very siloed and they're, they're grade level, they're students, and it's really hard for them to get the support that they need. So I really see that being such an important role for a wellness coordinator too, is that you all have to be there to support the clinicians, to provide the spaces. And honestly, like I, I, this has come up in our work before, but it's a lot about project management, just to like make sure things happen, someone to send the emails out, someone to just like hold the space too. So that is, that's the last question we want to ask you all is really about your own wellness. Cause I know from experience that, you know, helping other people with their wellness that you need to fill your own well, cause you need to be that. So people can be inspired and want to come to you and that. So how do you take care of yourself? So you are able to like help your um, teams with their ongoing wellness. Yeah. Kind of like just what I've been saying before, I have to check in with myself first and determine what is it that I need. And I think really doing the work with the eight dimensions of wellness has been super helpful for me because my way to take care of myself and be well may look different each day. And so I think carving out intentional time in the morning before I check my phone for anything, no emails, no social media, like I have to take a chance to check in with myself first. And so that way I already kind of know what I need going into the school day. I would say for me, my number one way to practice wellness is movement, movement. And, and especially when I'm doing movement with, in community. So I also lead exercise classes in the neighborhood where I live. And so being outside exercising and, and being around friends and, and community really helps me feel my best. If we want specifics, my specific self-care, some of my favorite things, love a good bath after the school day just to relax and enjoy, maybe do some reading. And I also, I'm very grateful that I have a super supportive friend and family network. So sometimes even just catching up with them is, is really helpful for me too. I love the specifics. That's like always my favorite conversation. There's a WhatsApp thread that Scott is on too, where people were talking last night about their specific self-care. I was like, this is my favorite conversation. I want to get in this one. And just as um, anyone out there who wants to start leading some wellness work, I think it's a great question to ask people, like, what are you doing right now for your, for your self-care, your wellness? And if you go around the table and ask, like people will be inspired, people will start trying some new habits out. And so it can be so simple just to start to open up that space and to share what you're doing and to start the conversation off that way. 
I completely agree. We actually have a adult wellness day coming up this Friday. And so when the wellness corner is going out tomorrow, there's going to be a specific challenge to put in our wellness Slack channel. How are you taking care of yourself with this day off? And so that way it's another way to just information share and you can get some ideas. Like I'm going to a getaway cabin, first time ever, super excited. I just need to unplug put my phone in a lockbox and just like enjoy time with myself. And so who knows, maybe me even sharing that idea could inspire somebody to recognize that that's the way they can take care of themselves too. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jacqueline Barron and Johanna Alsa. This has been a really important conversation and we look forward to hearing how it goes out into the world. We want more wellness coordinators. We want more wellness in the schools and we just, we really appreciate your all's role and your time here. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Bye-bye everyone. Hi. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, please pass it along to another educator wellness advocate and rate us five stars so others can discover our podcast. We also hope you stay in touch. We'd love to hear your questions, ideas, and recommendations for future podcast guests and themes. Just email us at wellness at we are empower ed that just looks like we are empowered.org you can also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter and tiktok with the same handle as empower ed dc or visit us at we are empowered.org thanks again we are all part of this educator wellness revolution and we really appreciate your time and energy mm-hmm.